Let's do it. Another episode of the Whack'em and Pack'em podcast, and you know who this is—the big pillar, challenge pillar. I got who? The white over here, <laughs> the black mama, the ebony and ivory crew. We're back, baby. Yeah, dude, and this is gonna be like a good one, like the every week, Dwight. Uh, well, when did we have a bad one? I know we don't, right? Exactly. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, and I know you already got a boner on this one, you big elk hunter over here. I know you're excited about this guy. Oh yes, indeed. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy. Hey. Everybody, uh, we've been changing things up and all that stuff. I know we've been doing our partners at the beginning, try that out, putting the partners at the end, we're trying that out, but now we're doing the whole commercials in between, and it seems to be working pretty fine, and I'm glad, uh, Dwight, we've been getting a good report about it, that people have been liking it, and uh, it's fun. It's something different, and we're trying it. We're all new at this, but... We're doing it. So. Yeah, we're trying to keep you guys interested and keep you subscribing and listening to us. Yeah, and I know all you guys are listening and streaming. Hey, just quit streaming and hit the follow button. Yes, follow <laughs> us. Come on, it's jump on. We need to get some more downloads from you guys. Come on, help <laughs> us out. Hey, so I just want to get into it real quick. I got uh, a couple shout-outs right now. I'm going to give a big shout-out to Chad Stevens, a.k.a. Baby Chad. <laughs> this guy went out to AZ with Chris Kloster, dude. They went to Arizona, and, boy, they hunted hard for a week there out there. And uh, I don't know what unit exactly they are. And, uh, dude, he was on the last day, Dwight, he was able to shoot himself a sweet buck, dude. Nice. Oh, dude, he got a whole new bow set up. I got him a new bow set up out there. And, oh, that's cool. Dude, he was... Uh, he arrowed a nice one, dude. Yeah. Always keep on, keep on, keep it on, because the bottom line is what? Sometimes it comes down to the last day, the last minute, and the last sunlight. So yeah. keep after it. Keep what? after it. Yeah, way to go, Chad. Also, uh, big shout-out to Raphael, dude. He's the freaking dog killer, dude. He's a coyote maniac savage, Dwight. Oh, man almighty. This guy, he kills dogs, dude, like crazy, dude. Nice. Dude, and this guy went out over the weekend, dude. And he didn't shoot one or two. He shot six. Damn. He shot six of these freaking things. He's this guy's what? a slayer, dude. Where was he? Uh, like Apple Valley area. Oh, jeez. He's up in the desert area. Oh, that's house. cool. Yeah, he was able to freaking down some freaking dogs, dude. Well, I tell you what, he saved some cats and some uh, family pets. Oh, yeah, dude, yeah. And this guy, <laughs> he put the guns down. He, he's a good guy, dude. Now, you guys follow this guy. He's Rafael SoCal uh, Predator. Tap something like that. It'll be in the credits though. But yeah, this guy he kill them all. So and also, hey, I know this guy didn't ta- he didn't tag us, and I was uh, debating. But Brandon Junkins, the you know guy from Ridge the Ridge, yeah, oh, he actually went out and he shot a coyote, dude, uh, nice. the other day. I, yeah, I seen some pictures and stuff, and I uh, yeah, way to go, Brandon. Way to go, yeah. Brandon. Yeah, dude. Yeah, and uh, dude, those, those, see, look at that, no hard feelings. Yeah, yeah. hunters are hunters. Doesn't yeah, matter right, what goes dude. on. Yeah, and I seen it. Uh, some people showed me some pictures, and I seen it. And I'm like, yeah, way to go, dude. He's out there. He's he shoots him with a shotgun, dude. And no, uh, that's cool, dude. He up he, close. Yeah, dude, he likes it, dude. And he's been, cool. He put up a heard he put up a bunch of stands and. And he got one, dude. That's he cool. finally dropped one. So way to go, dude. Way to go, Brandon. Hey, also, uh, dude, I check this out. For all you camping enthusiasts out there, not just hunters, but camping, fishing, all that good stuff, you know it's probably you should have a good first aid kit, right? Yeah. This guy, Kyle Wynn, dude, he's from Survival Outdoor Systems, dude. Dude, he reached out to me, dude, and I talked to him a bit on the phone and uh, through Texas and stuff. Right, I, right. Hey, this guy has the setup, dude, for your 
everything you need in a freaking first safety kit, right. your first aid kit, right. dude, it's legit, Dwight. Hey, and guess what? Not only that, dude, if you guys go to Survival Outdoor Systems, dude, and you pick up yourself a first aid kit, <laughs> put Wacom 24, dude, and you save 20% at this checkout, dude. Check it out. Oh, dude, yeah. So, <laughs> hey, uh, check out my man Kyle out there, Kyle Wynn, dude. So, yeah, dude, this it's going to be nice to uh, have a good first aid kit in your car. Absolutely. You know? So, hey. Hunting, driving, traveling, doesn't matter. First aid kit's always handy. Absolutely. So You hey, may just roll up on somebody who needs it. And you help save a life. Oh, so, hey, you know, think a, about that. You know, Absolutely. Put a tourniquet on or something. Yeah, like, something. You know, yeah. You know, save I'll a life. Do, maybe I'll do mouth to mouth. You better be good looking, though. Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Compressions, baby. Compressions. <laughs> hey, so everybody, thanks for uh, the, everybody that's been supporting the Whackman Packham podcast, dude, and uh, following us, dude. We really appreciate uh, all the support and all that. But, hey, Dwight. Yes, sir. Let's get into the goods, right? This guy, I'm, I'm anxious, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, let's give it up to my man. <laughs> Brandon from R-M-E-F, dude. What's up, going? Brandon? Hey, how's it going, guys? Good. Nice to be on the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Oh, thanks for uh, spending a little bit of time with us, dude, on this Wednesday afternoon. Yeah, man, it's awesome. I'm happy to be on and uh, excited to talk about RMEF and, and all the things we do in California and really get the word out because I think uh, there's definitely some stuff that a lot of people don't know about what we do and, and where our money goes and, and how it how it all works and how it comes back to all of us as hunters. So Nice, dude. Right on. Hey, so before we get in it, tell everybody who you are, what you do, who you are, where they can find you and all that good stuff, my man. Yeah, no problem. So my name is Brandon Nelson. Um, I'm the Southern California Regional Director for the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. Um, so I, my territory is San Diego to uh, just south of Sacramento. And uh, we have uh, about 15 banquets in between there, dinner banquets. That's our primary fundraising source in the state of California. Um, yeah, if you guys uh, want to come out and get some dinner and, you know, try and win some guns and some stuff, you know, look it up on uh, rmef.org backslash events, and then you guys can, uh, you know, find any of the events we have out there. Um, yeah, and then anybody out there that's looking for, uh, you know, state grant money, we have grant money out there for, uh, you know, anything like hunting heritage. So, you know, anything from, you know, archery programs to, you know, shooting sports, anybody out there that has uh, like a trap team, things like that, we have, we actually have money for all those things. So, those are those are things we do uh, here in the state, as well as you know, land conservation and all kinds of other stuff. But nice. I mean, that's the uh, that's the short answer. Nice, that's a good one. Oh, you, you you broke it up. All right, podcast over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, so uh, Brandon, tell everybody, uh, when did you start actually hunting and getting into the outdoors? Before we get into the good old elk stuff. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so I um I actually started hunting when I was about 19 years old. I uh, started hunting with a guy that said uh, California is not worth hunting. He said let's go to Kansas. So my uh, my first big game animal was a doe out in Kansas, and then uh, I went to the military um, for a few years, and then I came back. And then uh, 2019, I really started hunting hard and specifically focusing on bow hunting. Um, and then since then, I've you know 20. 2019, I didn't shoot anything, had some tag soup. 2020, uh, I shot a bear. I shot a deer. And then uh, that was my first elk hunt. I, I got onto Idaho's website, and they have a great program. And I bought a tag, and a week later, I was in Idaho hunting elk. Had no idea what I was doing. I was just walking around like a baby giraffe looking for this huge animal. 
I saw two the entire time. I was there for seven days, saw two animals. And then uh, since then, I've been back to Idaho uh, for the following three years. And I've shot an elk, but I didn't kill an elk. I hit one in the shoulder with a bow, you know, unfortunately, and watched him walk out of my life. Uh, but since then, I've shot quite a few deer here in the in San Diego, or not San Diego, but in Southern California. Went to Arizona a couple years ago and shot a pretty good, pretty good four by three. Um, you know, shot shot some shot some coyotes with the bow, and you know, shot uh, shot quite a few things with the bow out there. And that's that's my uh, main thing. Last year, I shot a pretty good antelope up in Idaho um, with my bow and. Yeah, so that's kind of my hunting. I uh, focus on bow hunting, but you know, I have uh, I have no problem with picking up a rifle or people shoot with a rifle. Um, just my thing is shooting a bow and hiking and getting back in there and you know wherever I can go where there's not people and go and try and shoot some stuff. That's my thing. Well, thank you for your service, yeah, brother. Was, we really appreciate that. Yeah, you beat me to the punch. Oh, I was sorry. like, all right. <laughs> Hey, for all you veterans out there, we appreciate everything you do for me and for me and the freedom that we got to be doing this kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, we we applaud all veterans out there. Thank you for your service and everything else. And, th and thank you, too, Brandon. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. Hey, so when you first started hunting, you shot that doe. Was it with a bow or a gun? Hmm. No, it was really funny is I was actually shooting a bow for like a month. And uh, the guy that taught me to hunt was like, yeah, you're not ready to shoot an animal with a bow yet. And I'm like, I'll be fine. And he's like, yeah, you haven't had a live animal step in front of you yet. And then the first doe that stepped in front of me with a rifle at like 100 yards, I missed it. So, you know, I think he might have been right on the uh, I wasn't ready for the bow situation. Um, so the first one was was with a gun. Um, yeah, and I actually, I actually ended up shooting three does on that trip because, uh, late season Kansas, you can get you can get quite a few tags. So I ended up shooting three does on that trip, and it was a great trip. Got to learn a lot. Got to you know with with shooting so many deer in in a week, um, you know, got to got a crash course in butchering, you know, and um, it was a good time. Also, there's a lot of there's just a lot of game um, out in Kansas, you know, and a lot of deer and whitetail are everywhere, and so it was a really good time. And it was a small town, and um, yeah, but since then, um, I haven't been back to Kansas, but definitely hunt uh, plenty of other states. So, Hey, now, Kansas, it's so funny you brought up Kansas because a guy I met at a little watering hole uh, this afternoon. Oh, no, it was this morning. <clears throat> a guy drives out, and he, his, him and his wife drive a couple trucks, and what they do is that they deliver all the chicken to Costco. So all that road history chicken, is he mm -hmm. delivers it out here to California. Oh. Well, I met this man today at the at, at our watering hole, and we sat there, and I was, someone introduced him to me, and we started talking, and told him I was a hunter, and he was show, showing me pictures of uh, of his uh, son-in-law that hunts his four hundred acres of property, and in Kansas. And the funny part was like, yeah. I, he was telling me how his son will not t keeps telling his father-in-law, "Hey, don't don't just keep 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 it as it is, pops." Don't go uh, leasing out the property because only him and his friends go out there. And this deer that that young man shot was a beast. It almost looked like a mule. It almost looked like a mule deer. It was so friggin' big. But uh, my question to you is: Kansas uh, still uh, a lot of public land, or is it pretty much a lot of uh, private land? 
there is a lot of private, um, <clears throat> but there's also a lot of uh, like land access out there. So um, I actually have a volunteer who has some property out there, and he actually leases a part of it to um, like walk-in hunting access. Okay. So so there are um, like I think it's like WMUs or something like that where where public can access um, you know private property. Um, and, and there is public obviously. So, um, but there, there is, I would say more private than public, but there are places where you can access. And as long as you're not trying to shoot like a monster buck, um, you definitely can get access to shoot some does and things like that. Mm. So yeah, there's some good options out there. Is that, is that tag over the counter tag or is it draw out there in Kansas? Uh, so for, for a buck tag, it's, it's a draw tag. Um, but for the their late season doe, uh, it's by zone, and then it's uh, the the seasons like January first to the fourteenth. Um, some se- some zones run all fourteen days. Some zones only run seven days. Um, but those are over the counter. Uh, you buy your license, and I think you can buy up to like five tags. I think it is for doe. Um, yeah. And then you you go out, and as long as you you know. Are, uh, and it, it's any weapon you can use a rifle or a or a bow. It doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, so that's just a, kind of a late season hunt out there. Mm. So, and 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 those are white yeah. t- those are whitetail then, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- yeah, most of those are whitetail tags. There, there are mule deer in Kansas, but where I where I was hunting, I was hunting uh, north central, and there there wasn't mule deer where I was hunting. So, uh, I think once you, I think you got to go a little more west for for more mule deer in Kansas, mm. like closer to the Colorado border. Okay, that's, that's pretty sick. That is. I wouldn't know. I've never been to Candace. I neither. I think <laughs> as kids we probably drove through there, but I'm not sure. Hey, only thing I know is there's no place like, like home. home. There's <laughs> no place like home. <laughs> the yellow brick road, baby. The yellow brick road. That's the only thing about Candace I know, right? <laughs> hey, so uh, you hunt local. You're hunting the San Gabriel Mountains, pretty much, right? Yep. Yep, San Gabriel. I also hunt a little bit in Big Bear because that's that's where I grew up. So I'll oh. hunt a little bit up there because I have a cabin up there. So I'll go up there and, you know, if I, you know, if it's hunting season, my bow's in the truck all the time. So I'll go up there and then uh, I'll hunt San Bernardino Mountains and yeah, I'll go up there and hunt hunt with. Uh, I'll actually hunt with Robbie every now and then. We'll go hunt some bears and stuff. So yeah, it's a good time. Hey, do you still got the cabin in Big Bear? Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. Oh. it's oh. on Airbnb. Oh, 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 gotcha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to make some money while they being used, right? Exactly, yeah. As long as, I mean, I, it's, it's not hunting season in Big Bear right now, so, you know, I'll let people stay and they can go skiing and snowboarding and stay at the cabin, so. Yeah. Oh, but during hunting season, off limits, huh? Oh, no, I rent it during then, too, but just when it's not rented, I'll be there. Oh, so. oh, gotcha, gotcha. Hey, so, yeah. so you said you shot a bear, right? This, I did. Hey, let's uh, let's take a quick commercial break, and then when we get back, let's talk about that bear. Hey, everybody. This is Drew and Ryan with Wild Edge, Inc., the OGs in saddle hunting and the creators of the world's most versatile climbing system, the Stepladder. Thanks for tuning in to the Whackman Pack'em Podcast. The only podcast that we sponsor. Check out our webpage at www.wildedgeinc.com for all your mobile hunting needs. And as always, live wild. Also, if you guys uh, decide you are going to get yourself a Wild Edge saddle system, you guys are going to be in the major, major raffle. It's going to end here in just a couple more weeks. January 31st is the deadline to get yourself a Wild Edge saddle setup, baby. And you're going to be in a sick, 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 sick raffle. Yeah. Woo-hoo-hoo. 
We got a tattoo uh, gift card from Sam Scott, dude. He's going to do a tattoo on whoever gets picked. And we and Dwight, we are going to podcast with the winner in his studio. Sam Scott, dude. Awesome guy, awesome tattoo guy. He is throwing it down. Also, Ho Dad Burgers in San Diego. Dude, Ho Dad's threw us a gift package like no other. $100 gift cards. We got a sweater. We got a shirt. We got socks. We got hats. We got beer koozie, Coke koozie, soda koozie. Either way, it's a koozie. Yeah, dude. Ho Dad's Burger in San Diego. And also, Mark over there at Mountain Bound Hunt Co., also known as SoCal Hunt Fish. He's throwing some goodies in it, too, dude. Oh, man almighty, dude. We are getting some goods. Whoever gets picked for this uh, raffle, you guys are going to come away with some good stuff. So remember, dude, check out Wild Edge. Get yourself a little system, dude, and you will be in the Raffle, baby. Yeah. Wild Edge. Woo. All right. We're back, everybody. Yeah. Hey, so let's get into that bear real quick. I want to hear your story about your bear. And I mean, when you were hunting, because I'm a bear fanatic and you're hunting in my backyard pretty much. Because last time I met you, you were telling me where you're hunting. I'm like, you fucker. Fucking old Robbie Slobbert Robert took you to the hood. You know what I mean? Hey, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, well, well, what's funny about that, man? So I was hunting. I was hunting the San Gabriel before I even met Robbie. So I, I have a lot of friends uh, who are like endurance trail runners, mm. and they would run in the San Gabriels a lot. And they, uh, when when I got back into hunting, they're like, "Hey, dude! Every time I go running up in San Gabriels, did I see bears?" So. So my, my, my bear info was way before Robbie. Oh. So <laughs> Robbie, Robbie didn't give anything up. <laughs> so when you were uh, hunting that bear, that bear, do you run cameras? Are you running trail cameras or? Oh, no. So, <laughs> so it was actually uh so funny story. So it was, it was Thanksgiving weekend. Um, Thanksgiving came around. Obviously I wasn't working that day. I go to work on black Friday we ended up, somebody at work got COVID, so it was during 2020, so we closed down, and I had the weekend off, so Saturday, I go hunting, don't see, I didn't see a thing on Saturday, I was out for, t like, 10 hours, I come home, and then I come home, and I was going to make some food for the next day, and I came home, and all of the, the turkey was gone, and at the time, my roommate had given all the turkey away, and I was like, dang it, so the next morning, I was looking for snacks, and I looked in the fridge, not thinking what I was doing, and there was a whole tray of blackberries, so I threw them in a Ziploc bag, threw them in my pack, and I get out there super early. It's dark. I'm hiking up in the dark, and I get to a Y in the, the trail I was hiking, and I sat down, and I hear something around the corner eating, so I grab my bow. I go around the corner, and there was some deer, and uh, I still had I still had my, like, A31 tag, my Ida Sex tag, and I came around the corner, and there was a little buck in there, and I was like, oh, perfect, leave a buck. Well, I was trying to move in on them, and there's a bunch of deer, and they pegged me. So I'm sitting here messing with this deer for about 20 minutes. And then out of nowhere, they just bust out of there. No, no wind change. They didn't win me, didn't snort nothing. They just bust out of there. And I'm like, well, I'm going to chase them. Let me go back and get my backpack. So I come back around the corner, and my backpack is moved. And I'm like, did somebody try to steal my backpack? And there's a bear standing about five feet away looking at me. And he's looking at me, and he turns around, and he goes back to my backpack. He's 27 yards away, and he starts chewing on my backpack again. 
So I knock an arrow. I shoot him from 27 yards, clean pass through through the lungs. He runs about 30, 30 yards from where I shot him, and he dies. He, he runs into a tree, actually, hits the tree and stops. And I'm freaking out because now all of a sudden I, I just shot a bear. Never shot a bear in my life. Never never butchered a bear, nothing. All I'm thinking of is like a Stephen Ranella video on like how he butchered a bear. And uh, I grab this bear and I, I walk over and I, I poke him and he doesn't move. I'm like, all right, he's dead. I, I grab my dragon back. And I'm like, why was this bear chewing on my backpack? And I open the pocket that he was chewing on. And there's a bag, my Ziploc bag of blackberries wow. that this bear was trying to eat. Wow. And I had no, I didn't even like think about packing blackberries going into the San Gabriels. But let me tell you, it brought a bear in. <laughs> and then shortly after that, shortly after that, I'm butchering the bear and this, the hiker comes up and he sees the bear and I'm, I'm off of the trail, but he still saw me. He sees the bear screams. What is that? And I'm like, it's a bear. And he's like, there's bears up here. I'm like, well, there's one less bear up here now. <laughs> and he's like, I think I'm going to retire from hiking in the San Gabriel mountains now. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So packed them all up and tried to, uh, tried to pack them out in one go. Um, unfortunately the pack I had at the time, the frame wasn't stiff enough to hold everything. I made it about a mile and then, uh, hung half of it in the tree, hiked down, buddy of mine came out. We hiked back up, got the rest of the bear out, hiked him all the rest of the way back down. And, <clears throat> Now I got a beautiful uh, blonde bear rug and uh, hanging in the house. Oh, so. nice! Oh, he, oh, he, he was a blondie. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow! Those yeah. are kind of rare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Nice. So, yeah, it's a beautiful bear, and yeah, it was a good time. And you I mean since then, I've seen quite a few bears up in the San Gabriels, but you know, with when you're when you're hunting archery, uh, you know, you, you can't always get close enough. Right, right, right. Hey, so did did it do the death moan? No, it didn't actually. Oh. oh, no, I shot it and it took off running. And when it hit the tree, like, I don't know if the tree like knocked all the wind out of it, but it hit like a pretty sizable pine tree, like ran right into the pine tree, mm. um, like with its chest. And it just like when it hit the tree, it fell and didn't move again. Wow. Yeah. So no death moan, nothing. It just ran and hit the tree and fell down. And I was like. I was waiting for the death moan, right? I'm like, oh, it's going to make some noise before I walk over there. It didn't make any noise. Because that death moan is pretty eerie, huh? Yeah, I haven't heard one yet because when I shot mine in Canada, it didn't make a death moan either. And I went to track it, and I was like, nope, I'm not going any further. I'll wait for the outfit to go. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. I didn't come way over to Canada to wrestle a blackberry. That's <laughs> all. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, so, did, did, so you end up eating the meat then too, huh? Oh yeah, yeah, it was amazing. What, yeah, I I ate all of it. It was great. What do you like? Do you like to barbecue it? You like to put it on the trigger or smoker or what? Um, yeah. So normally, so actually, none of those things. Um, I do. Um, so I'll, I'll get a pan hot and I'll I'll like just sear each side, and then I'll throw it in the crock pot for like six seven hours with mm. with a bunch of stuff. Um, and then I'll take it out, let it rest, and like pull it apart, kind of like pulled pork, man. Mm. How far was your hike in yeah. when you shot that bear? Uh, that was like four or five miles in. Oh, oh that was up. But it was like straight up. So still a pack out though. You know, you know the San Gabriels. Oh, you know yeah. the San Gabriels. It's either straight up or straight down. And <laughs> right. my pack out though was down. You know what I mean? So it wasn't too bad. Well, you know, it, it is kind of harder to go downhill than uphill. I think. So. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's hard on your knees, I'll yeah. tell you that much. Yeah, especially when you got that kind of weight. Yeah, right? exactly. So did you get a full body mount? Yeah. Uh, no, I just did a rug. I did a full body rug, yeah. Oh, full body rug. Oh. Yeah. That's pretty sweet, dude. That's yeah, sweet, sweet. Yeah, yeah. Hey, so I'll, send you, I'll send you guys a photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's cool. Hey, so it was a boar or a female? It was a boar, actually, yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was a boar. That's super, that's super cool, because you know what? It's it's rare to see a blonde one, to be honest with you. Yeah. And when I do, I have seen a couple, and they were just happen to be females. Yeah. I, I haven't personally saw, yeah. uh, you know, a boar. Yeah, blonde boar. And I would say he's not, like, super blonde. Like, he's just super, super light. Like, he's right in between, like, brown and blonde. You know what I mean? Oh, he's like, he's still on the reddish side. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'd say he's in the middle. Yeah, yeah, because they don't hibernate. That's why they're getting that, getting that sun, sunning them up. Yeah, that's for sure. That's cool, man. You you got one of those Especially bears, in the San Gabriel's, right? Did you get out this year? Do any time out there this year or what? Oh yeah, man. I hunted. I hunted a lot this year, and I uh, I saw one huge bear, and he was across uh, across a canyon, but there was a trail in between us, which was about a mile, and. I, I ran that mile, and unfortunately, by the time I got there, you know, as, as thick as the San Gabriel Mountains are, he uh, he disappeared into into the thickness. Mm. So, yeah. Hmm. And and then so so, yeah, so, you, I, so you you hunt out of state a lot too, then? Yeah, I actually hunt I hunt in Idaho quite a bit. Um, so uh, you know, as as a veteran. Um, Idaho has uh, some really good tag options for veterans. Um, so I was up there this – the last couple of years I've hunted elk up there. Last year I didn't have an elk tag, but I had a bear tag. Um, and I had a buddy who had an elk tag, and I went and helped him. Um, and then last year I had an antelope tag up in Idaho for archery. Ooh. They uh, – Idaho has some pretty good, pretty good antelope hunting. You know, you're not going to – you're probably not going to shoot a, a monster antelope. Um, like Wyoming or Arizona or even Oregon. Um, but Idaho has some, some pretty good antelope hunting. And I went up there with a buddy of mine um, who, who's in the Marines, and we, uh, we we were actually both successful over about five days. We ended up getting pretty lucky and um, found a spot. And I actually was uh, with Rocky Mountain Elk. We were up at Mule Days, and I met a guy up there that kind of lived in the area we were hunting, and he kind of gave us – Gave us a little bit of direction, and yeah, we got lucky and ended up, uh, you know, killing two goats in five days um, with bows. Um, you know, my buddy's my buddy's goat was pretty small; mine was significantly bigger than his. Um, but uh, yeah, so Idaho is really where I hunt out of state a lot. Um, I have hunted Arizona. I hunted Arizona deer for a couple years. Um, and then um, you know I'm gathering points in, in a few other states, so trying to trying to get there, and then also uh, do a fair amount of turkey hunting. I have a I have 11 year old son who um, just getting into bird hunting, and this last spring he actually missed a missed a turkey. He missed his first turkey at 28 yards, but wow. we're gonna we're, we're gonna fix that this spring with with a, with a yeah with, with some turkey hunting. We 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 went ahead and went away from the the normal iron sights and just put a red dot on his 20 gauge. So mm. he. Uh, Made a little easier for him, so ho hopefully he'll uh, get himself a turkey this spring. A little redemption. So. Yeah. A little redemption. I heard yeah. that. Hey, exactly. so hey, that that antelope tag in Idaho was that a draw tag or over the counter tag, or is something because you're a veteran? Uh, yeah, so Idaho, um, all their antelope tags are draw only. Oh, um, but but they're but they're pretty good odds. Um, the only the only bad thing with Idaho and their draw system is you have to buy a license. Oh. 
So whether you draw or not, you're in it like 180 bucks for the license or 160 something. I don't know. I don't remember what the license fee is, but but you're in it for whatever the license is, no matter what, just to even go into the draw. So, but Idaho has their over-the-counter stuff, which you have to log on on December 1st. So, like, normally I get my elk tag and my deer tag and or either one on December 1st. Then I'll put in for the draw as well because I already have a license. But so, but most states are like that anyway, right? You have to have a license, right, before you even put in for a draw? Uh, most of them, yeah. Most of them are that way. Mm-hmm. But not all of them, so... Mm-hmm. And and and, yeah. and when so, you get when you get on December first, do you usually get your tags? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Last, so I already have, so I already have my elk and my deer tag for twenty twenty four. Um, but I this last year for twenty three, I actually didn't get my elk tag. Yeah, I. Uh, it's the first time in three or four years I didn't get an elk tag in Idaho. Right. So I, yeah, I, I remember so, back in the days. Well, shoot, not not even too back far in the days. A few years back that. You could just have you. It was over the counter. You didn't have to. You didn't have to put in yep. for all that stuff. You know, and, and, and computers crashing and all that shit. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. That's. You I mean Idaho was that way? The first year I went to Idaho, I literally bought my tag in August, and then like two weeks later, I was in Idaho hunting elk. Yeah, yeah. That's that's. Whereas now, now it's just it's gotten so popular, and um, you know that people are you know wanting to come out west and. Everyone out west has wanted to hunt, and you know, which which is great. It's you know, it's it has it it's it has its ups and downs, right? While while those of us who have been hunting in those areas for a long time, you know, are upset that it's hard to get a tag. I mean, the the amount of money that has come in for the conservation side is, is enormous, right? And and you know, there's uh, you know, there's all this talk about you know people like you know people are like, oh well, you know, Joe Rogan and Cam Haynes and all these people are ruining you know, hunting and, and they're really not the, the amount of attention and money that's come into the hunting industry, you know, is huge. You know, the, the things that they've done has brought attention to it. And that's where, you know, for like Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, like, you know, and the Pittman Roberts and all these things, you know what I mean? All these people now coming in and wanting to, wanting to do these things, you know, it's, it's really bringing a lot of people in. And that's where like we as hunters just need to unite and realize that, while while it kind of sucks and you know the landscape's changed, we have a lot more money now. And you mean because the you know not to get on the anti side, but the anti side, they're all united on a united front of trying to take out hunting. So, yeah. you know, if we're over here fighting on you know all these you know oh well this trailhead and that trailhead, it's like yeah get over it, just find a new place to hunt or or you know hike in further. Don't be the ninety uh, percent of people that only hike a mile. You know that's the truth. Yeah, and the other part too. You know you. You can't get anything accomplished if you're fighting amongst yourselves. Yeah. And if hunters are fighting amongst themselves, yep. that we we miss the boat because of those that are united are are front, and then they are able to keep on moving and get their agenda sent across. So as we said before, yep. in different things, when you have people in the outdoors that love the outdoors, they all should unite together with hunter, fishermen, campers, trail runners, whatever it is, because the bottom line is that then we have the numbers to keep it going. Exactly. Do you see a lot of hunters out there when you're hunting in Idaho? Um, hmm. So the place we hunted antelope this year, I didn't see a, a single other hunter. Um, granted, I was hunting, it's like 3.4 million acres of BLM. Um, and then where I hunt elk, 
The unit, I see a lot of people. Um, in the area that my buddy and I hike into, um, because it's a non-motorized area, um, we I've seen I've seen one guy back there. There there might be a three thousand foot elevation mountain you got to go up and over to get to where we hunt. Um, and this year we actually got to watch from about two miles away. We got to watch this guy do a stalk into a herd of elk of about 50. It was, it was pretty awesome to watch. Unfortunately, he blew, you know, the wind, the wind changed and he, he got busted, but it was just cool to watch. Hey, now, how do they treat you? I mean, do you still drive up there with California license plates? I do. Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's quite funny, man. The, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of talk about that. Um, and, and I will say, you know, every now and then I'll, I'll get some looks, but, um, you know, just be nice. You know, I, right. I think that that's one thing that, you know, like don't, don't bring your California politics with you when you go, <laughs> when you go to these other States and you'll be fine. Right. Um, you know, I'll, you know, also like, you know, I'm walking around with a gun on my hip and like, it's normal. And you know? I'm just like, Hey, how's it going? You know, and just, right. just talk to the locals, you know, it's not a big deal. Right. Um, it might also help that I have disabled veteran license plates. So they're like, Oh, he's a veteran. You know what I mean? So I've never had any issues with, with locals messing with my truck or getting mad at me or any of that stuff. Um, you know, also if we do run to locals, we always ask like, Hey, like, Hey, what's your guys's plan? Cause we were thinking of doing this right. So that we, you know, we're not going into someone's spot and things like that. And so we we try to coordinate with, if we're camping next to people, if there's people around us, you know, that are locals, we we make sure to have those conversations. So that's cool. Cause my wife's from Idaho and she hears it all the time from relatives about how is Californians are going out there and just messing things up. I mean, that's been with multiple states, you know, Washington and Oregon and Idaho. And now you got Montana. And it's just, it's one of those things that they, people are just don't like seeing those license plates, which I don't blame them. Like you said, when it comes down to the politics, you know, I may have mentioned before, I met this one guy when I was in uh, Montana from North Carolina, South Carolina, somewhere back East <clears throat> in the South and he says, I really don't care who comes in my state, but don't come here with the same politics or trying to change my state to the state that you left. <laughs> yep, exactly. Right. Hey, well, on that note, let's take another quick break. Yeah. <laughs> Back at it again, folks. Listen, listen what we got here. Listen, come on now. We've been talking about this for the past few weeks after we met up with Mike. And listen, you guys got to get out there. Get out there for all of your outdoor needs, hunting, fishing, archery, all the above. Shotgun, rifle, I don't care. Hell, they may even have a fucking blow dart for you, too. But, hey, if you want it, they can order it. Who am I talking about? Turner's Outdoorsman. Turner's Outdoorsman, the number one outdoors store in Southern California. I'm telling you, as we said before, and I keep on saying it, they are your store. Archery, camping, clothing, whatever it is that you need, Turner's has it. They are your everything you need store. So make sure you check them out. Check them out on on the website, turners.com, turners.com. And listen, as we said, there are several little stores out there in Arizona. And they're continuing to expand. So make sure you look up, look them up, check them out. And like I said, 100% customer friendly. They are what you need. They are what you want. And we said, hey, if you're not satisfied, you let us know. Because Mike will make sure it gets done. So, again, turners.com, 
Turners.com is everything you need in the outdoors, fishing, hunting, and maybe one day they'll start putting in the saddles. Hey, one more thing we forgot to tell you that's even exciting is that Turner's purchase Riverside Archery. Riverside Archery. So you guys out there who are looking just for a store just with archery, Turner's has it. Turner's out. Turner's Outdoors and uh, see, look at me, get me all fired up. Can't even remember everything I wanted to do. But remember, they purchased Riverside Archery, and they're for your needs. So get out there. They have anything you want in archery. So listen, one more time, Turners.com, Turners.com. They're your number one store, and they are one who always has your needs at hand. So thanks again, Turners. We love you. All right, we're back. Yeah, baby. Hey, so we're Brandon, we're talking to Brandon from RMEF. Hey, so hey Brandon, when did you get into like what made you I know that you weren't in the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation all your right life, were you? No, no. I actually uh I I was in the military, got out of the military, I went into the went into the automotive industry actually for for about 10 years. And then uh, after COVID, I just started looking for, for some new opportunities. And, you know, I was hunting a lot and I, I wanted to do something that, you know, was in in the hunting space. Um, and Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation was actually, you know, one of the top places on the list. But if you look at uh, like LinkedIn and stuff, a lot of the people at Rocky Mountain Elk have been there for a really long time. And I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to like a job's going to open up. And then, you know, about two weeks after that, all of a sudden there was a job opening in California. And I was like, Oh, there's a job opening. This is great. And, uh, the guy that I actually replaced, uh, he and I were both in the military, not at the same time, but I noticed he was in the army on LinkedIn and I was in the army. So I reached out to him, you know, like, Hey man, we were both in the army. Hey, you know, would I be able to pick your brain? And he's like, yeah. And he was actually the one that was leaving. He was moving to Indiana. He's still with Rocky Mountain Elk today. And he ended up uh, moving back to Indiana and then, I sent him my resume and he actually sent it to my now boss and I applied and went through the interview process. That was, uh, in 20, 2022, um, like beginning of 2022 and then, uh, got hired in, you know, mid 2022 really had no idea what I was doing. You know, didn't have any, um, banquets or anything in the fall, um, my uh, all of my predecessors because of hunting season put all the banquets in the first half of the year so all my dinner banquets are from january to about july um and then there's not a lot of dinner banquets august through december which happens to be hunting season which you know i don't mind at all um yeah and i got the job and then, uh, you know, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation as a company is a, a pretty small company. You know, we got about, you know, 150 employees, maybe, maybe a little more. Um, we're based out of Missoula, Montana. And, uh, in the state of California, there's only two paid employees, uh, myself and, and the Northern California regional director, which he covers from Sacramento to the top of the state. And, uh, yeah, the dinner banquets is, is our jam. You know, that's, that's where we raise money and talk to people and, you know, give away guns and, you know, that's our, that's our main fundraising source. And, uh, it's, it's an awesome, it's an awesome organization and, you know, year to year it changes, but on average, you know, we're, we're averaging about, you know, 85 to 90 cents on the dollar that we raise is going back into the mission, you know, of, you know, preserving elk and, you know, lands and access for, for everybody. So. Hmm, that's good. That's a good ratio. 97, 
97 cents, 97 percent on the dollar. That's that's excellent. Right. I'm telling you. Right. That, that, that means you are putting the money back. What are some of the things that you guys provide to hunters or just to the foundation? Like for I mean, like for example, I understand that uh they just reintroduced the wolf into Colorado. And what part mm-hmm. do you guys play into that? Uh we we opposed it. <laughs> of course. I figured as much. You know. Yeah, so you know, it's funny when it beca- when it comes to the political stuff, um, it's really funny. So, so Rocky Mountain Elk as an organization, our mission is elk, elk habitat, and you know our hunting heritage, right? So, so when people talk about, you know, people try to bring us into the wolf stuff, they try to bring us into the bear stuff, and and while those things matter to us, um, that is not our mission. Right. Um, I will say that we do pay, you know, like Bill Gaines, for instance. Right. Bill Gaines is the California lobbyist. He's the lobbyist for every nonprofit organization in the state of California. Great guy, does great work. And we put our name on all of those bills. So to oppose the bear ban, we put our name on it. Right. We had to pay for that. So so we do put money into those things to oppose them um, when they come up. But I would say that. We are not a vocal like some people want us to be about it. People are like, oh, well, you need to, you know, stand up and say, we oppose the bear ban. But, but bears aren't our thing, right? Like, our thing is elk. Like, right. we're going to focus on elk, elk habitat, land access, land conservation, you know, and, and all of the things that, that are within our mission. Um, now, it's kind of like saying, you know, it's, you know, people, you know, oh, do you guys support the Second Amendment? Yeah, of course we do. Like, the Second Amendment, you know, if, if we don't have that, right? We're 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 missing a lot of things for hunting, right? right? So, so we 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 go for it, but at the same time, we're not over here advertising, you know, because we're not the NRA, right? right? We're not, you know, California Pistol and Rifle Association, right? That's that is that's their lane. Do we put our name on bills that oppose things that you know are against it? Of course we do, um, but that's not really our thing. Our thing is going in and doing, you know, eighty six million dollars in you know, land projects, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, doing, you know, wildlife, helping with wildlife management, helping with, you know, you know, conserving acres or enhancing acres across, you know, every single state. Um, you know, so, so that's where, that's where we put our money. We put our money into our mission. And, and as a 501c3, you know, we have to put our money in certain places and some of those things are outside of our mission and outside of like what we are allowed to do with our money. So, so most of our stuff, you know, we, we have land conservation and land access. So, you know, we'll take land, you know, let's say, let's say somebody wants to, somebody in their will wants to donate, you know, a thousand acres. We will take that donation of a thousand acres and then we will turn that back over to like BLM or we'll turn that back over to, you know, the state for, you know, access for public. So, so that's that's our main thing is doing that and putting land on the ground, doing elk counts, doing you know getting callers for for fish and wildlife to to you know um, you know collar collar elk and do elk studies right. right. Um, this last year we gave a hundred thousand dollars to up in Northern California for them to do forest thinning. You know because the Roosevelt's up there, those forests are getting out of control, and you don't want a fire to go through there. So, but you want to you want to clear out all that underbrush and open up the forest. I mean, that takes a lot of time and money and effort and, you know, so, so that's where, you know, that's where our money goes. How do you know the money goes to that? 
uh, because we we directly give the money to that, and then we actually go and check on it. So, oh, okay. So, for instance, like all of our projects, we have to give. So they give us. So, like for instance, so we have a we have a, we have a grant program. So we have our state grant program, and then we have our um, project grant program. Our project grant program is the bigger of the two. Only twenty five percent of the money goes to the state grants, which is going to be like um, hunter safety archery, you know, like an archery team or a trap team. But the project grant side, you know, for instance, like fish and game, right? We're going to buy, they put in a, a grant for, for elk, for collars. They have to give us, they write the grant and saying, we're going to do this, 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 and this. And then they send us a report at the end when they do all that. And they, they, have, they have a couple years to obviously complete that. Um, but all of those things, they, they have to send us photos. They have to, you know, let us know what they did with the money and how it worked. Um, and some of those do lead to, you know, volunteers having access to some of those projects. Um, in Southern California, we don't have as many projects like that, so it's a little bit harder. Um, but, for instance, at Forest, Because there's no one, elk down here, right? That's why? Um, it, well, it's, it's not that as much as it is um, – you know, like if someone put in for a grant to do like fence pulling or something like that, like on a ranch, mm-hmm. like Tahoe Ranch, let's just Tahoe Ranch, they have elk. Um, if they wanted to do a fence pull and they reached out to me and said, hey, we want to do a project and do a fence pull. Can we get some volunteers? I'd totally do that. Mm. But, but working with work with private landowners and trying to get them to be like, hey, do you want a bunch of people to come on your property and pull fence? They're like, yeah, we'll just have our ranch hands do it, you know, so. So that that is one thing that we're you know we're working on is trying to get people to do that you know landowners that want help with those things. So um, also people have to apply for the grants, right? We don't we can't just give money to anybody. So so they have to go on, they have to apply for the grants, and and right now is our grant cycle. So the way the way it works for Rock Mountain Elk on the grant is half the amount of money raised in the state from the year prior comes back in the form of grants. So in twenty twenty three. We had about three hundred and thirty thousand dollars to to divvy up for project grants and state grants. Um, I, I actually don't have the number yet for twenty twenty four, but you know we already have the applications. So you know if anybody's interested and has a like let's say a, a, a trap team or they want to do a project, the only thing with the projects are uh, in general they have to affect elk or or you know wildlife. And then um, they also have to work with whoever the unit biologist is in that area because that unit biologist has to help them because you need to know how many elk it's going to affect. You know, we need to know how many acres we're going we're gonna to affect. We need to know, you know, what exactly we're doing, you know, and, and, and how it's going to benefit wildlife across the board. Mm. I got a question for you. <clears throat> I don't yeah. know. Maybe you may, I would think you might know the answer, but I've always wondered why have they not introduced – the Thule Elk to Southern California. We got all these mountains behind us and everything else. Wouldn't they survive in this terrain? Uh, yeah, they they, they could. Um, you know, elk are elk are pretty hardy, but so there was uh, there's there's a few laws in in the in the in California nowadays that they're they're not allowed to reintroduce elk um, to anywhere where they were not ranged before. So let's say over the past hundred years. Um, <clears throat> If there is signs of elk, say let's let's just say San Gabriel Mountains, right? If if you could prove that a uh, hundred years ago there was elk in the San Gabriel Mountains and all of that, you could propose to Fish and Wildlife that they need to reintroduce elk into that area. Um, but from my understanding, elk were never that low. 
they they weren't all the way in Southern California. Um, so they, they're, they're never going to be introduced lower than where they're at. Um, you know, as far as I know, the lowest elk as of now is, is like the Tehachapi area, which started out as a private herd, Right. but that started as a private herd before the laws of moving elk and doing all that were, were in place. Wow. Well, yeah. Now, now is that the reason they will not introduce something that they cannot prove that was here prior to? Is that because of the fact they don't believe that they'd be able to survive? No, it's not a survive thing. It's just, it's a law that they put in place because so, so like the Tehachapi elk, right? The, right. the elk that are in Tehachapi, those were brought in from Wyoming and they're, they're Rocky Mountain elk. And I can send you guys some photos of some monster bulls that were taken this year, but the, those elk were brought in as a private herd. And what California in, I think it was like the seventies, they, they came out with a bill that there's no more introduction of, of an animal that's not native to California. So, or native to a specific area. So, so it's, it's not that they wouldn't survive. It's just that there was a law put in place and then to reverse that law, um, it's nearly impossible. I spoke with um, the, the, the lead elk biologist because uh, Charles Whitwam and I have talked about having, uh, like, you know, when you go up 395 and you get up right outside of Bishop and you go up and there's mm -hmm. all those beautiful green meadows out there. We're like, how come there's not elk running around out there? Well, I guess there was never elk ranging there, so there will never be elk there. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and, and, and the lead biologist like, hey, like, that's just, it's a California law. It's been in place for a really long time. Um, and to, to go back and get that reversed would be, would be nearly impossible. Um, so expanding them where they historically have never been, unless they just start growing so much that they just expand themselves, then, then that would be fine. So, you know, if, you know, if the elk from Tehachapi, which are Rockies or the elk from say Bishop, um, big pine area, if they're, if that herd got so big that they started expanding and let's say they ended up in, you know, Barstow, Hesperia, Victorville, you know, and started coming down, they wouldn't, they wouldn't like eradicate them. They would, they would be like, yeah, well, they, that's what happens is they're, they're expanding type of thing. Yeah. Yeah, but I they're find, not going to relocate them. Yeah. Well, I find that a bunch of crap. They should put some Rocky Mountain elk around here because I think it'd be a good time. And I think it'd be a great thing to see. And I think it would enhance hunting. Right. Yeah, I can't see it to be a problem. I mean, maybe something I'll try to work on when I'm retired. Hey. They, before we keep going, they, they this, might they might there might be a lot of cars and a lot of people too. You got to think about that. Yeah. Hey, well, before we keep yep. going, let's take one more quick break. <laughs> yeah, check out Mountain Bound Hunt Co. Oh, these guys, Mark and Trev, they invented the new state of the art dog kennels. Yeah, for all you dog loving guys out there that hunt does ducks. Chuckers, quails, and you got you guys, you got your little pooch. Woo! They got single kennels. They got double kennels. And dude, who knows? They might even get a condo kennel. Dude, these are all custom made in house, dude. American made, by the way. We love Americans too. Dude, yes, dude. These guys' kennels are badass, dude. They also got for all you hiking guys out there that like to hunt for these horns that fall around, you horn hiking guys. Woo-hoo-hoo. He got some pimp ass. Shed hangers. Yeah, check out Mountain Bound Hunt Code. And guys, dude, if you guys literally missed them at the RMEF Cowboy Christmas, not to worry. They will be in Salt 
Salt Lake City, Utah, baby. Oh, they will be at the Palace Convention, February 15th to the 18th, dude. Stop by. Check them out. I think they're at booth 3368. Check them out, dude. Come out. Say hi. Pick up some swag. They got hats. They got shirts. They got all kinds of goodies. But mainly for your pooch. Check out their kennels. Yeah. Mountain Bound Hunt Co. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love Mountain Bound Hunt Co. Yeah. All right. We're back. Hey, so you just mentioned right now the Elk and Bishop, and if they came down this way, right? My yeah. my, my question would be is why why don't I mean they breed? They're still breeding. The tags like the tags to, are impossible to get. Like, I, what, how many tags do you think they even get for that area? Uh, well, in that 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 area, they actually give a fair amount in that area. Uh, most of the archery tags are actually in that area too. Um, but in that area, so overall in the state of California, you know, they were given about, on average, about 300 tags. This last year, they bumped it up almost 100. Um, so as of right now, we're given about 380 draw tags a year. Um, one of the one of the big sticking points on tags in the state of California that Fish and Game gets is, you know, unfortunately, as hunters, we, we want a good hunt. So if they just, let's just say they flooded the market with a bunch of tags, the the backlash they would get if people didn't have a good hunt is 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 very high, you know, because people are like, oh, I waited my whole life for this hunt, and it was terrible. There was a bunch of people out there, and I didn't see a single elk. So they number one, they'd complain about it. Number two, California really has to, you know, because we have so many recreational users on the landscape, um, they really have to actually take into consideration how many people are afield at a time. Um, also because they could push the elk out, right? So you don't want to push the elk into like into a, into a neighborhood. You don't want to push the elk out into, into, you know, a freeway or whatever. So, so fishing game is really, really modest on their numbers. You know, while our, while our elk herds are doing absolutely amazing, um, that is one thing that my, uh, my counterpart in Northern California and I are really working on is working with fish and wildlife to try and figure it out, right? Re- realistically, the, the best thing that needs to happen is we actually need to restructure all the seasons um, for elk hunting in the state of California. Um, restructure them, kind of get, get some better better times. You know, we have, we have some zones that it's 100% success. Um, we have higher success rate for, you know, the, you know, killing of elk or hunting of elk and than any other Western state. We're also the only Western state without an archery season, like a dedicated archery season. Um, you know, these, these are all things that we as Rocky Mountain Elk have, you know, spoke with, you know, fish and game about and are working on, you know, I will say that, you know, fish and game right now is super open to getting more tags on the landscape. Um, we just have to figure out the way to get it, on the landscape without having, you know, let's say a thousand people flooding, you know, all these areas. So, you know, like, you know, working on getting, you know, there's no elk tags in July and August, right? So it's like, well, some of the toolies are rutting in July and August. Why don't we have, you know, an early archery season, you know, and, and kind of getting some of those things, um, I know, I know they're also right now really working on enhancing the, the share program for, um, 
for 2024-2025 to increase um, the opportunities for share tags in like high um, like high problem areas. So like Tehachapi would be one of them. So they're trying to increase the cow tags, but then getting those cow tags also comes down to getting landowners mm-hmm. willing to participate and let hunters on their property to hunt. And then, you know, I, I spent some time in Tehachapi this last year and, you know, the landowners, a lot of them, they, they're concerned about letting, you know, some random guy on their property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so especially you know, with, it's tough at times. Especially with a rifle probably too, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then, you, and then yeah. it's like, well, I'm going to walk around on your property, you know, unsupervised and I get to do what I want. Well, hey, don't go over here. And then they go over there. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so, so it's, it's tough, you know, it's, it's. You know, you got to, and these landowners, you know, while they do make a little bit of money off the share program, because they do get a percentage of how many people, you know, put in for that, because it's a lottery, right? Um, each landowner, they get, they get a little bit of money from, from that. That's how they get compensated. Um, but, but it doesn't necessarily. I heard they get a lot like, of money. Is, huh? I heard they get a good lot of money per person, like, like 30, 30,000. Is that about right? No, not even close. Oh. Okay. No, not even close. Like maybe some of the like the bigger landowners get that. Um, but you, you mean some of the smaller landowners don't? Like oh. it's not it's not nearly that number. Um, you know, probably you know the. I would say the average is less than ten thousand. Oh. Um, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not really big numbers by by any means. Um, yeah. So. But the SHARE program is a really good program to help manage, especially cows, right? And then you have, you know, it, within there, you, you they have youth hunts and different things. And so the SHARE program, as long as landowners come on board, you know, we, we could actually start really managing elk. And, and some of the, there's going to be four, they're, they're proposing four new, like, high-impact areas that have um, a significant elk-human conflict. Um and as long as the landowners want to want to come on board and play ball, I mean, there there will be a lot more tags on the landscape coming over the next um, you know couple years. There was there were some tags in Tehachapi this last year that you know um, unfortunately did not get raffled off through the share program because no landowners wanted to to take the chance. Um, you know, so it's it's a it's a great program as long as we can get people to participate. I got a question now. Do you think now re, regarding the elk tags and everything else? Now, are those tags primarily you may have mentioned this cuz I heard you talk about it a little bit earlier, but are they primarily rifle tags? Um well, so you so they're actually any weapon tags. Um, so you, you can use any weapon you'd like. Um, the state of California, as of right now, we only have 28 dedicated archery tags. Um, as of that was, uh, in the draw for 2022, I think it was. And we had over 2,500 people apply for those 28 archery tags. Wow. Wow. I think, you know, yeah. I, I tell you what, I mean, just me being a, a person that loves hunting and, and have knocked on the door of landowners and they let me on their property and being taught by my father going camping or whatever else, and somebody gives you something that you leave it better than the way you found it. And, you know, my yep. thing is this. I bet you, I would I would guarantee you that if they just did archery only for those tags, I think those uh, landowners would be 
a little bit more receptive and a little bit more trusting of letting people come on their property. And if any of you guys out there that are listening to this, we don't care if it's California or Arizona, whatever state you're in, and if that landowner gives you that opportunity to go on there and hunt on his property, show him the damn respect that it is his property and you are a guest on his property in his home and act appropriately. Clean up your shit. Be respectful. Don't act like a damn fool because it's people like that that messes it up for the rest of us. I mean, I tell you, come on. Man lets you in his house to sit at his table and you're going to put your feet on the table while they're eating? Come on. I think we're better than that as hunters. I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah I agree. And, you know, like the people leaving trash and everything yeah. else. But I agree what you're saying about the whole archery because it, say I had some property right. and you rolled up my house and Brandon, you got, you come up first, right? Right. And Brandon's like 20 minutes later, okay? Right. But you came up with a rifle? No. But if he came up with a bow? Yeah. Because the fact that, you know, you're not worried about stray bullets right. and everything else. I mean, right. you, I mean you got to be up personal with the archery. Absolutely. Yeah, I I really would. I I would I would think that would be something. I don't know. You you deal with fishing game more than well, you deal with fishing game because we never deal with fishing game for the most part unless they're running up on us. But I bet you if they kind of push that, like you said, because there's no specific archery hunting time that you said earlier, if I remember correctly. I think, like I said, I I think you'd get a little bit more uh, receptive from some of these landowners for just okay, these dudes are shooting bows. Okay, I feel a little more safer. By these, you don't have a Yahoo, you know, because some, you know, you know, we haven't seen it. I haven't seen it, but some Yahoos out there with their rifle or whatever, and they got a trunk load full of beer and they're drinking and hunting at the same time, and they're not looking at their backstop when they're shooting a rifle and aiming at this over this area. And now you got a stray bullet going through town and whacking a lady pushing her kid in a stroller right in the head. Now the the child's motherless. I mean, all these different things come to their mind because I would, I'm just saying for me. If I only had my own property and the guy came with my property with a rifle, uh, I'd be a little little nervous about saying yes to him. Right. Hey, why do you think they give more rifle tags out than archery tags? Um that's a good question. I you know, it's uh well, it's not that they're rifle tags, they can be anything. Um I think part of it is success, right? That that's uh I also think that California um, you know, I've talked to a few biologists and they don't know how popular archery is, you know? So I, I was talking, I remember this one specific conversation with a biologist. I was like, yeah, well, why don't you, so every zone has like a cap number of tags. I was like, well, why don't you offer a, an archery season for, for the other 15 tags? And she's like, well, not that many people would apply for the tag. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, what? And I was like, well, as a state, and I told her this stat that I told earlier about the 28 tags and over 2,500 people. And she was like, wait, wait, what did you say? And I told her the stat again. And she's like, well, that's a lot of people that applied for 28 tags. That's pretty terrible odds. And I'm like, yeah. So if you put up 15 more into that category, like there would still be plenty of people that would apply for the archery tags. And then she's like, that many people bow hunt? And I'm like, oh, yes, there are. If, if there was, if you issued, and the thing is, if, if Fish and Game today divvied up 300 additional archery tags throughout the state, so then let's, we're almost doubling the tags we have in the landscape. The funny thing is, is we actually still wouldn't increase, we still wouldn't hit our number, our quota for how many elk is allowable to harvest or kill every year, even if we issued 300 more archery tags. 
we would still be under the number. Even if even if the kill rate was 20%, which in every Western state it's about 10. But let's just say the elk aren't smart yet. They haven't learned, and they're all running up, and all these archery hunters are having success, and we killed 20% of the 300. That's still only 60 elk. Right. 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 So, and, and on average, we on average with the the seasons we have, we don't kill about a hundred elk a year as it is, with rifles. You know, and there are the twenty eight archery tags, but so out of you know three hundred tags, we're killing two hundred. So you add three hundred archery only tags, you're only you're only killing two sixty. Mm-hmm. If that's a twenty percent success rate. So also, you know, a lot of people. You know, a lot of hunters, right? Like, I think a lot of people like myself, like, I I was taught, you know, rifle hunting, right? And I I got into archery hunting and, and really learned a lot myself and did a lot of research. And, you know, so I think a lot of the people at Fish and Game just, they, they, they didn't have, they that's just not, like, their lane, right? They're not like, oh, you know, they're not putting in in Wyoming and Nevada and, you know, uh, Montana and Arizona and applying in New Mexico. And, you know, so they're not applying in all these states. And so they don't know all these rules and regulations. Right. And that's why that's why there's places like Hunting Fool and Go Hunt and, you know, Onyx and all these, you know, things to help people figure out how to do these things. Well, like California Fish and Game, you know, doesn't look at you know, what, what's Colorado's elk season look like? What does Montana's elk season look like? So I think it just really comes down to, you know, getting them the information and, and letting them run with it and being, just giving them some examples of archery seasons. And that's, that's something, you know, that us as, you know, California Rocky Mountain elk, you know, we we're working with them and like, Hey, like, here's what some archery seasons could look like. Like here, here, take, take all this info make it work with however you guys got to make it work within the rules and then like take it. I don't care. You, you don't even need to give me credit or rock them out and out credit. Just come out and give 300 more tags. Like, let's go, right. you know? And, and I think that that would be, that'd be huge, you know? And don't get me wrong. Would there be some archery hunters out there that would still be mad? Yeah, there would be. The- um, but hey, that's archery hunting. That's also hunting in general. You know, you don't. It's called hunting, not killing. So. Absolutely, brother. I was getting ready to say that, but you took the words right out of my mouth. But you did. So what? So what if you're pissed off because you didn't get anything? Like we've said a thousand times over here on this podcast, it, you know what? It's not about the the kill. It's about the adventure itself, being out there in the woods. That's what it's all about. Absolutely. You know, I mean, it, 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 I think you would, and I would, and I would assume. And I don't want to put up bad numbers because I never looked into it or whatever else or did any research. But I would literally say about 75% of the hunters would agree with what we're saying. They just love being in the outdoors. I don't think I've heard any hunter bitch and complain realistically about the fact is, I was out there 10 days, I didn't see nothing. Da, 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 da. I mean, come on. Come on, fellas. Come on. You're, you're a hunter. You know it. You've been on a boat. You've been fishing. You didn't catch a damn thing. You're out in the woods. You didn't see a damn elk. You didn't shoot nothing. Lord have mercy. Come on. Right. Lord have mercy. Come on. Grow up. Right. Jesus. You didn't get laid the first time you went on a date either, did you? <laughs> <laughs> hey, unless you went down uh, fishing and got a prostitute. Yeah, well, yeah well, that's a whole <laughs> different story. Well, yeah, okay, if you, if you paid for it, I hope to God you got laid, sir. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, hey, that's what. But hey, speaking of paid things, you know what I mean? Like right now, we have two elk drawings going on. The, we have a Six Rivers chapter out of you know Crescent City that's raffling off a bull tag. Okay. And then we also have our uh, our our um, San Fernando Valley at, uh, uh, raffling off a Tule elk tag off um, Avenalis Ranch. Oh, wow. So you know. Hey, if you want to pay pay for a ra- or a drawing ticket, because it's not a raffle ticket in California, a drawing ticket. We got two elk hunts right now out there, so just go to armyf.events and you can you can find those and contact them and, and get some tickets if you want to pay for a chance to win a win an elk hunt. What what does a raffle ticket run? Uh, the Six Rivers Bowl. That's going to be for I think that's a uh, a Rocky. I think it is, and that's going to be. Uh, I think those tickets are going for fifty bucks each, and then the Avenalis Bull Hunt. Those are going for a hundred each because that is a Thule, and that one does guarantee a uh, a book Thule. So you will you will shoot a a pretty large Thule. If it goes over two hundred and ninety inches, though, you got to pay a little extra money for that because that's uh that's a pretty big toolie if you're shooting a 290 to 300-inch uh, toolie. So. Yeah. Mm. Wow. That's awesome. Hey, you know, I, I, I follow RMEF, Rocky Mountain Foundation, for a little bit. But do you, you guys also help teach hunters how to hunt for elk? Uh, we do not. Uh, okay. um, but we, you know, we can – we'll – our state grant money, so for instance, like like this last year, we, we gave some money to um, the Ranch Julian down here to do, they did uh, like a youth, um, some youth archery and like intro to hunting classes. Mm-hmm. So, so like we, we, we'll give state grant money to things like that. Okay. So you know we'll, we'll give we'll give you know grant money to programs that can do those things, but oh, we okay. we personally don't facilitate that stuff. Oh, okay. But we do we, we have we have partnered with um, outdoor class, so um, you know that would be an, another option. Is if you if you went to outdoor class that that would help you out there. Um, so have you guys heard of that? No, no. Fill us in on it. What is it? Yeah. So outdoor class. What it is is. You know, we, we teamed up with like Corey Jacobson. We teamed up with, um, Randy Newberg and we started doing, um, oh my God, outdoor class. Let me pull it up here real quick. Hey, on that note, let's take one more break. All right. Check out <laughs> Gator Outdoors. Yeah. Wade, my man out there in Iowa, check out. He got the whole in-house Gator Outdoors. He got the pimp, pimp, pimp swag, dude. He's coming out, I'm sure, with the 2024 Kiel hat. Uh, go out there. Check out his website, dude. He has hats. He has beanies. He has hoodies. He got turkey calls. He got grunt calls. (laughs) He got all kinds of good stuff over there. He got King Camo, dude. He got bundles and bundles and bundles. Woo! He got men's King Camos. He got women's King Camos. And he has a youth bundle. King's Camo, baby. And you know what? King's Camo, they look pimp, dude. So if you guys don't even, you guys out there hammering the hills and you literally don't kill anything, that's that's why they call it hunting and not killing Check him out, dude, because you'll still look pimp daddy out there with that swag, baby. Check out Gator Outdoors. Wade will hook you up. You got any questions, hit up my man Wade. And, he, dude, he'll get back to you, dude, right away, dude. And he'll let you know what you need, what you don't need, and all that good stuff. Gator Outdoors, we love you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
All right, we're back. Let's see what my man Brandon found. Yeah, so so outdoor class, it's like what we're doing is we're teaming up with, you know, high industry professionals, and they're giving classes on anything and everything you could imagine to just improve your skills for hunting. Hmm. So um, if you're if you're a member, you can right now it's it's you can save 30 percent with the code RMEF on outdoor class. And uh, yeah, so it's just it's a thing we've teamed up with, you know, Remy Warren's on there, I'm pretty sure. Um, Randy Newberg, Corey Jacobson. Um, and then we also have like Jamie Teagan teaches some classes, John Barclos teaching classes. Um, we also have some cooking stuff on there. Uh, Mark Livesey is on there, you know, so there's, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, you know, and, and there's a lot of big stuff. So we, we also hired, um, his name's Bo and he does like whitetail stuff. So there's just a lot of stuff on outdoor class. It's another, another one of our things that we've, we've invested in and, you know, wanted to get out for, for hunters across the nation. So that's cool. And where, and where are all these classes taking place at? Are they in California or all over? They're all online. So it's, oh. so it's all, it's all online. Oh, it's yeah. an online class. Oh yeah. 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 So I know you, yes, yeah, so not in person. I know you spoke about you going to Idaho quite a bit and, your first time going out there and everything. Well, so how did you learn what signs to look for and things like that? You know, cause you've never done it before. And all of a sudden you're out there walking the mountains and looking. Well, um, I would say, I would say uh, a fair amount of YouTube, you know, fair amount of, uh, you know, watching what other people do and then uh, also getting out there and doing it right. Yeah. Like, yeah. While, while while we can all sit on the couch and watch YouTube or watch it on our phones, right? Like, right. it's great to watch these guys, right? But then you think, you know, you know, like you watch Corey Jacobson call a bull in. You're like, dude, this dude just called it in. I'm going to be able to do that. And then you go out there and then you sound like a dying duck. <laughs> and you sound nothing like an elk, you know? You got all the and geese then, flying over your head coming in towards you, huh? <laughs> right, exactly. And then, and, then, and then you and your hunting buddies are just making, making fun of each other because you're like, that doesn't sound like an elk. Like, is that a dying elk? Yeah. So, you know, um, so I would say, you know, for me, it was, you know, I watched a lot of stuff, you know, I read a bunch of stuff. Um, and then, and then also getting out there, you know, my, my first year versus, you know, last year, extremely different approach, you know, um, also it depends on the landscape you're hunting, right? If you're hunting, you know, thick woods, it's, it's very different elk hunting. You're hunting, you know, super open country, super different hunting, you know, and the the biggest thing, honestly, is getting out there. You know, these, these people, you know, there's people out there and, and you know, I'm, I'm happy for you. You're, you're saving up points and you're, you know, you're going to go on your one huge, you know, Wyoming elk hunt and you're going to shoot a 400 incher. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, if I could get out every year and hunt elk, you know, and, and, and I might not have success, right? I haven't had success in four years, but, you know, like, again, like you guys were saying, like getting out in the woods and, you know, go, going to Idaho for seven to 10 days a year, dude, it's amazing. It's mm. great. Mm. You know, l luckily Idaho has, has a pretty good grouse population. So while you're out there with a bow, you can shoot some grouse, mm. um, get a constellation prize. Um, but yeah, you know, you go out and I, I would say I, I've learned more on the ground and, and calling and, you know, cow calling and just seeing what the landscape is, you know, cause you know, the, you know, the guys that go out and hunt New Mexico, you know, and in the middle of the rut and the elk are bugling everywhere. Right. Well, the unit I hunt in Idaho, they don't bugle that much cause there's a lot of wolves. Yep. So, 
So bugling doesn't necessarily work, right? So you really got you really got to go to where you're hunting and kind of learn the area. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I would say get out there. You know, if you can get a tag, if you can pick up a tag in a state, you know, Idaho does like their leftover tag draw. Um, Nevada has a leftover tag draw. Um, you know, right now I'm pretty sure Wyoming's open for for their draw. Um, I think they just had an increase in price on tags. So, you know, double check that before you commit to, to getting a tag. Um, but yeah, so, you know, I would say getting out there and doing it is probably the biggest thing. Um, yeah, getting out there, doing it. And, you know, you want to call some elk and you're on a, you're on a trip up 395, just stop off in big pine there when they're in out in that farm field in the elk viewing area, Yeah, you know, and bugle at them. It's a good time. Hmm. Are we allowed to do that? Yeah. Are you, allowed, um, are you allowed to do that? Well, you can stop at the elk viewing area and view the view the elk. Uh-huh. It doesn't say no bugling. Oh. <laughs> I just didn't know if that's legal or not. <laughs> yeah, only reason well, why- you, I mean, you're not sta- you're not standing there with a gun trying to like, call them over to shoot them. You know what I mean? You're just calling to them. You know what I mean? You're just messing around. So I mean, yeah. Now I just ask you that because you know we hear it all the time. Even some people that we meet, you know, they find out that we're hunters and everything else. A lot of times, well, I want to get started. How do you do this? What are you supposed to do? I mean, every time I tell somebody, I say, hey, first of all, get your hunter safety course. That's number one first. Then after that, come talk to me. But, you know, you some people that, that are listening to us for the very first time, you know, listening to you and, and, and to the podcast, you're saying, man, I like to get out there and go do elk hunting, but I don't know anything about elk hunting. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to look up. I don't know anything. So that's why I ask you, you know, you're part of Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, so I just thought I'd ask you, and you which you did. You passed on some good information to our yeah, listeners. Yeah. yeah. So, so for instance, this last year, you know, I, I, uh, not last year, but in 2022, I went out to, I was fortunate enough to, uh, a nonprofit organization that helps disabled veterans took me on a, on an antelope hunt. And I was like, man, I want to hunt another antelope. These things are tasty little critters. And so in t- the end of 22, I was looking at Idaho and I decided to put in for the draw for an Idaho antelope tag. And I was fortunate enough to draw my antelope tag. And I had never been like antelope hunting without a guide. And also the, the first hunt I, that I ever went on was with a rifle on private property. So, um, the big thing for me is e-scouting, you know, uh, in where I hunt in Idaho is, you know, 15 hours away from my house. So, you know, I got on to, you know, get on X or go hunt or, you know, any, any of those mapping softwares, you know, or, um, there's a couple other ones out there, but, you know, whatever mapping software you're using, get on there, look around, you know, what's one thing that all these animals need is water, right? Mm-hmm. Get on there, look for water holes, right? And then you find all these spots on the map, you know, and you, you got to zoom in, you're going to spend a little time, um, you know, find those water holes and then go check them out. I mean, there was plenty of water holes I went to in my antelopes, around my antelope spot that only had coyote tracks. Mm-hmm. So, so I knew that, there's probably no antelope if there's a bunch of coyote tracks. So, you know, and that, that, that's another thing is know what, you know, what, what the tracks look like. Know, you know, know what, you know, the food sources look like. You know what the water looks like. Look at, you know, elk and deer, right? You're looking, you're hunting them first couple hours in the morning and the first, and the last couple hours of the day. Whereas antelope, you're literally hunting those things from sun up to sun down because they're laying in the middle of the middle of the field. Right. Yeah, I mean, you you can see them all day long. Like I, one day I literally went from the time the sun came up to the time the sun came down. I was on a stalk every two to three hours one day. Damn. 
I was absolutely exhausted by the end of the day because every two to three hours I'm walking around with my bow with a, you know, with a, like a Montana decoy or a, you know, a, a decoy on the front. I had, I had the little, uh, the cow, the, you know, the moo cow on the front of my bow and I'm walking around trying to kill a goat, you know, all day long, you know, it's, it's tiring, but, uh, you know, so I would say do some research on the animal you're hunting, you know, are they out and about all day or, you know, like deer and elk, you know, you can take a lunch break. Mm-hmm. Um, but antelope, you know, I literally found a bunch of water holes and then I started going, you know, I'd drive and I'd stop and I'd go check the water holes, look for, look for tracks and things. And, you know, and, and also, you know, a lot of glassing, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of people out there that say buy once, cry once, you know, some good glass goes a long way. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to walk a lot, you know, I know Swarovski optics are expensive, but let me tell you, you can see a lot of things and you can see really far with the right ones. So that's cool. cool. Hey, so this last season, they, and I I believe it was Tehachapi, they opened up and they gave more tags for Tehachapi area, correct? Yeah, it's actually, that was a whole new zone. So that's the first time they had ever issued tags for Tehachapi. How how many tags did they give away? I can't, I actually don't remember. Was like 10, something like that for that area? Uh, It was, it was 15 total. So they gave out, they, they did five draw tags and then they did 10 cow tags. And then there was three landowner tags. There was uh one bull tag and two cow tags for landowner tags. The bull tag, I think went for somewhere in the, the landowner tag went for somewhere around $60,000. Yeah. But, but he shot a 405 inch bull. Oh, shit. wow. Oh, he shot a big one then. That ain't no lie. Oh yeah. He shot a big one. Hey, yeah. do you know the statistics on, all those 15 tags that were given away? Uh, well, I just sent you photos of four bulls that were killed that I have photos of. Um, so I know I'm pretty sure all the bull, all the five bull tags were, were, were definitely filled. And then uh, I know that the two oh, landowner cow tags. Shit. That's a fucking bull. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, wow. Yep. So I know the two landowner cow tags were definitely filled. And then I think that um, somewhere in the range of five to seven, I'm pretty sure on the on the uh, cow tags were also filled. Wow. So I, I I don't know about all of them because not the only way I found out if they were filled the tags was from um, a couple of the landowners up there that I that I know um, that I had been in touch with about trying to get them to enroll in the share program. Um, you know, I kept in touch with them and, you know, they, they've, they're Rocky Mountain Elk supporters and stuff like that. So, um, so, so I would, I would safely say, you know, over 10 of those tags were filled uh-huh. for sure. Because pretty yeah. much these guys were, had like max points to even draw those tags, correct? No, actually no. Uh, oh. What? So the photo of the bull in the, in the, in the trailer on its side there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, that guy is actually a resident to Atropy. I think he might have had 16 or 18 points, so he was close to max points. Um, and he drew a tag as a Tehachapi resident. So, And, boy, I, all, yeah. you, all you guys out there, Brandon just sent me these pictures of these bulls, and it's fucking sickening how big these things are. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. The only way I can compare it to is as if this thing was farm-raised in behind a high fence and you're shooting it. But we know that is not the case. These things are massive. I mean, 
I don't know if I spend 60 G's, but good Lord, it's almost tempting, right? Well, that was just one. The other people drew it. No, I know. I'm yeah. just saying, though, but even if you had an opportunity, oh. I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't got 60 G's. Well, oh, all me of neither. those people, I will tell you right now, all those people paid a trespass fee. I promise you that. Oh, oh, for sure, right? And, and, yeah. and, and yeah. That, in that area, that's the first time that people's even been have an opportunity to hunt elk, right? Correct. Yep. That's the first time. It's the first time that season's been open. And um, it's like 90, 90 plus percent um, private property. Oh, yep. yeah. Yeah. So this yeah. year, so this year you're thinking they're going to give more elk tags out and more units or. Um, so, so there's, there's, so there's four zones in the state that have been um, like deemed um, like problem zones where there's a lot of elk human conflict. Um, so fish and wildlife's working on trying to figure out a way to issue more tags in those areas to actually help decrease the numbers. Um, and you know, the, the verdicts out on how exactly they're going to do it and, and like how we're going to be able to make it work. Um, but the idea is that they might issue some archery tags. Um, and there might be some, uh, they're definitely looking at letting landowners, if you have, I think it's like a minimum or a, a minimum of 20 acres, you can actually enroll in the share program mm -hmm. because before you had to have like, I think it was like 60 or something. You have to have a, a significant amount of land to have people hunt on. So I think they're reducing the number of acres so that they can allow people to hunt on smaller parcels of property. Um, the, the one, the one of the hurdles with that is we have to figure out how to, um, you know, how, how do we go with the, you know, the fish and game, you know, policy of you have to be within a certain or away from a, you know, a building within a certain distance. Um, because some of these elk literally hang out on people's property, like next to their barn. Uh-huh. You know, so, so there's going to be some challenges with that. We got to figure out, um, that fish and game is going to have to figure out and kind of, you know, get back to us. But, um, yeah, they're, they're looking at issuing, I think the way they're going to do it is through the share program. We're not sure yet. It's still got to go through the wildlife, you know, um, commission and everything. Um, but they're, I think they're looking at increasing the share tags and having a lot more share tags out there and hopefully getting a lot more landowner participation. So. All right. Well, Hey, just a couple more yeah. questions real quick. I just want to pick your brain on a yeah. couple more subjects real quick. How many, how many elk do you guys call a year? Ooh. So, we, so I know this last year, I think we, one of the proposals, I think we funded like 30 additional, 30 to 50 additional callers. Um, now, do all of those get used per year? No, um, it is on a rolling basis. So I don't, I don't know how many elk we collared last year. I do know that um, last year out of the Los Banos Preserve, we did move 30 elk. Um, I, I don't know if you guys watched the video um, that Howell put out about that elk move. Yeah. But, uh, you know, every year we move elk out of the Los Banos Preserve. Um, those are collared when they're released. Um, and we release those up on Grizzly Island. We, we release them down in Bishop area. Um, so anywhere from 30 to 50 elk a year, we're moving out of Los Banos. Um, just because of survivability in that preserve is extremely high. Um, you know, and we have, uh, we have a pretty good herd there. Um, 
But in terms of how many elk are actually collared every year, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure on that number. So when you guys do that and you relocate, like you said right now, 30 elk out lost, uh, the place that you just, Los yeah, you can only put them in areas where there's elk already. Yes. Okay. A question. Correct. Now, where exactly is Los Banos? I'm thinking it's up there by the Bay Area. No? It is. Yep. Oh. It is. They yep. have elk up there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's elk. I mean, I can send you guys a, I mean, a map. But if you if you just go on the website and look at the, the map, you I mean, there's, you know, Los Banos has, they're all tule elk. Okay. So... Um, and that's we're repopulating other Thule elk herds with elk from from the Los Banos Preserve. Because hmm. I mean, my only reason why I know that area is because my f- mom's side of the family grew up there, and I used to go up there as a kid. I never knew there was elk up in that area at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So so when you get up north, you know, I mean, you're going, you know, on the on the coast, you got Roosevelts, and then on the you know the eastern side, you have Rockies. And then central down, you're going to have mainly tulies. And then you get on the, the eastern side of the Sierras, you have tulies. And then you get into, you know, that just the Tejone Ranch, Tehachapi, you know, kind of between Bakersfield and Ridgecrest. That's where you have some Rockies. But the Rockies, those Rockies were, were, were definitely imported, um, you know, many, many years ago. So. And when you guys uh, take these elk out of that area to put them into another elk area, do, can you put tulies in with rockies or they have to be in the, do they get along do those two species even get along together oh the, yeah they they will um they, and they will crossbreed and that's actually part of the reason why the tehachapi um zone came up is because we don't want the crossbreeding of rockies with tulies um mm. because we are the only state with tule elk right, right. we want to keep the tule elk tule elk and the rocky mountain elk rocky mountain elk and then the roosevelt's roosevelt's um there actually is you know already um you know from from word on the street and out there is uh there actually is already some crossbreeding between rockies and roosevelt's you know up north kind of like north central california because they, they've you know, kind of integrated, you know, with each other. So, um, but as of right now, I haven't heard any, you know, um, integration of Thule's with Rockies yet. Um, but the, the herd from Tahone and into Hatchapi, you know, there, there's talk of them already expanding over to like Lake Isabel mm-hmm. and we just don't want them, you know, fish and wildlife doesn't want them going over the Sierras into, you know, the, the Bishop area and, and crossbreeding with those elk in the Owens Valley. Now, are we the only state that have three breeds of elk? We are. Wow. I guess that's one thing that's special about California. <laughs> besides the great <laughs> sun and sure. besides the great sun and beaches. Yeah. <laughs> Seventy and sunny. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> hey, so one more thing real quick, uh, Brandon. I I appreciate all your timing and dude, you you're a book of knowledge, dude. Like you like educated me like no other on some elk. Hey, how can like me or Dwight or on anybody, I'm just saying as an example for me and Dwight, I'm sure there's a lot of people going to be listening to this, and they might want to. Do you, when you guys do this relocation, can volunteers go do this? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I So I will say the list of volunteers to do that is extremely long. Really? really? So the amount of people that want to do, you know, that want to help move elk and all that um, is, is huge. Um, and... For us, you know, we have, you know, our primary fundraising source are dinner banquets. You know, we have, we have about 25, 
to 30 a year here in California. And, and all of those are volunteer ran. So none of, none of those are, you know, all of those people are volunteering for the organization because they believe in the mission and the cause. And I'll be honest, all of those people are the first ones on the list, you know, so, you know, getting involved with a, with a chapter. So, you know, like, for Southern California, right? We have Ridgecrest, we have Bakersfield, we have Santa Maria, um, we have an LA chapter, we have a Ripon chapter. Um, we're getting pretty far up there. We have a Lemoore chapter. Um, we also have a Rancho Cucamonga. What? There's a San Diego chapter, Paso Robles, Bishop, um, and then also, um, and then there's Northern California chapters, right? Uh, Morgan Hill is another one we have that's just coming up soon. But uh, so you get involved with a chapter. Once you're a volunteer um, and, you're, and you're helping, like, helping Rocky Mountain Elk with, you know, fundraising and all those things, you know, those are the first people to get the email about, like, an elk move. Mm. You know, it's, hey, who's free on that day to come help move elk? And then if, if it doesn't get filled, which out of 30 chapters, it gets filled very quickly. Um, then we would put it out to, you know, other hunters and things like that. Um, you know, but obviously, you know, a lot of people, you know, as, as hunters and conservationists, right? Like we, we want to do those types of things. And those, those are the fun things. Um, the, the thing is, is if, if you're, if you're volunteering for us, you'll get the email and then you can get on it. If you're not, it's, it's kind of tough. You know, I, I will say that the, uh, the amount of volunteers that want to participate in things like that, um, is, is pretty long. I think this, this last year we did an elk count, um, in coordination with Fort Hunter Liggett and they told us that we had 20 spots and my Santa Maria chapter who has a cooperative agreement with Fort Hunter Liggett, they literally had 20 people in about 15 minutes. They <laughs> I didn't even send it out to the state. They had 20 <laughs> people just from their chapter that wanted to do it. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's like, we have limits on some of the, some of the, some of the, you know, the, like the elk move and the, and the elk counts and, and we have limited numbers. Um, so it's one of those things that, you know, I, I would love for people to get involved with all the projects, but you know, the, the people that are, that are putting in their time for free, to, to help us raise money and, 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 you know, raise money for the mission, the cause, they're going to be the first ones to get a stab at, you know, going and helping move elk or, you know, going to elk counts and all that stuff. And, you know, I, um, I'm still working on trying to get with fish and game on, you know, some, you know, some, I know when you and I were talking on Ridge to Ridge last time, talking about doing some elk counts and trying to get fish and game to, to kind of allow us to go out and do elk counts that they'll, they'll accept the numbers when we count. Um, is something I'm still working on, but you know, getting fishing game, nailing them down for some stuff is tough. So hope, hopefully in the next uh, couple of years, we'll have a kind of a, hopefully like maybe a dedicated state team that'll go out and do out counts in different areas. But you know, it's, it's all a work in progress. So right. there is, so is there elk hunting at Fort Liggett? Yes. Oh yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Yep, some some of the biggest some of the biggest bulls in that area actually. Wow. Yeah, there's some very big bulls in that area. Hey, so tell everybody how they can even like uh, tell everybody how to go on your website or whatever to if, if people want to to yeah. sign up to be a volunteer for one of these chapters that you just mentioned. Yeah. So um, so there's when you when you go on our website and you go on to um, 
rmef.org backslash events. When you scroll down, there's a thing where it says volunteers wanted. If you click on that link, I mean, it'll, it'll take you to the page. You put your name and your information in there. Um, you'll, you'll get a reply from, from RMEF corporate, and that email will actually come to myself um, as well as my Northern California rep, so it actually comes to both of us. Um, so, so both of us will get that email, and then if you're Sacramento South, I'll be in contact with you, and if you're Sacramento North, my, my Northern California rep, uh, Cole Beverly, he would be in contact with you. So, hmm. um, yeah, so you, you name, email address, your, your actual address, city, state, zip code, phone number, a good time for us to call, and then you maybe maybe a little bit about you and why you want to get involved with with the organization, and um, yeah, and then you know we'll we'll get you we'll get you in touch with you know the the chapter chair or the committee in that area. And then, you know, they'll, they'll let you know whenever the next meeting is or, or any of those things. And then we can get you rolling and get, get you, get you some banquets and then hopefully get you out there in the field too. Once we get some more projects going. That's sweet. And then on your website also, is it, you could uh, go on there and it tells you all your dates of your banquet, banquets and uh, banquets, <laughs> banquets and uh, where to go and what, what days they are. Yeah, yeah. On that same page, if if you where it says volunteers wanted, if you actually just go down, it says search all events, and then right next to it, it says view events in your state. So if you just click on that and you click California, um, all of the the current active events will be up there. Um, yeah, no, some of them some of them do sell out. You know, like my uh, my Santa Maria chapter, um, the it's the uh, Central Valley chapter out of Ripon, California. They always sell out. So some of these sell out. So if you want to go. You know, make sure make sure you you get on there and you you get yourself a ticket or um, some of them offer tables too and you know some of the tables come with guns and things like that. Those are a little more, you know, a little little higher in price. But you know, we we would love to have you at a banquet and you know if if you get if you go on and you get a membership, you'll get emails about these things. You'll also get you also get mailers and invitations to come to these banquets. So yeah, all of those things we we uh, we appreciate it and we would love for. Uh, anybody and everybody to come out and help us out and support us. Um, and, and we'll do the same and yeah. That's super awesome. Yeah. yeah. Hey, well, we appreciate your time today, my brother and dude, thank you. You surely shoot up some knowledge today. Absolutely. So you folks out there, check them out. As Chad would say, check them out. Brandon's one hell of a guy. I never met him in person, but I know Chad has, but you know what? This organization, I've known about this organization for years and never knew anything about them. But uh, I tell you one thing, Brandon, you really hooked me up today. And, hell, I might go over there and just join because I am a elk hunter and I love elk hunting. That's one of the things I want to do till the day I can't do it anymore. Right. It's an amazing thing in what you're doing, especially in California. And I like to have Rancho Cucamonga one. Exactly. You That's know, Right up the hood. Right up the street. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I tell you, Brandon, thank you so much, brother. We really, really, really appreciate it. Thank you for your service again and the service that you're doing now, Rocky Mountain <laughs> Because you are doing something and educating quite a few people and quite a few people that are that are listening to this podcast. Yes. Yeah. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, it was it was a good time. And yeah, I'll uh, we'll, we'll keep in touch. And then uh, you know we'll we'll look and see if uh, you know after after the season we'll come back on and go from there. Right on. So hey, everybody out there, make sure you guys go out and check out RMEF. Check out Brandon. Uh, he'll be all in the credits and. Uh, if you have any questions, hit him up here, and he'll lead you definitely in the right path. Also, guys, uh, I've been mentioned for the last few weeks, New Mountain Outfitters, Black Bear Hunt, California. Dude, my man Gabe, 
He has a few more spots left. September 2 to the 4th, he has four spots, and he only got a handful of DIY only in September. All the rest of the August, filled, Dwight. Nice. Oh, oh, we got our, nice. the camp that we're going, filled. Nice. Everybody got on, jumped on board. If you guys are looking for a California black bear hunt, and you know, you're not going to be like Brandon over here, or me hunting, hiking crazy, you know, black bear pursuit. Yeah. Th- and you need one, hit up my man, New Mountain Bound. <laughs> <laughs> New Mountain, <laughs> New Mountain Outfitters, Gabe up there. It's up north, dude. So check him out. Check out RMEF, dude. Uh, we appreciate everybody, and thank you so much for the support. If you guys like it? Don't forget to hit that subscribe, follow button. Tell your friends about us. Ooh, yeah, and you know what? We'll see you next Monday, baby. Yeah. <laughs>